At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Sam Kaufman of the Human Path and Herbal Medics to talk about his experience with herbal and integrative healthcare. Sam began Sam began his medical education in the US military as a US Special Forces medic, aka Green Beret, in 1989. At that time, he became highly interested in herbalism as a way to provide sustainable health care in remote regions with limited medical supplies. After thousands of clinical hours as both a medic on teams and in military emergency rooms, as well as functioning as a clinical herbalist throughout those years, Sam's goal has become the creation of an integrative medical model that embraces aspects of bioregional herbalism into collaborative infrastructure while working alongside allopathic models of diagnosis and treatment. Sam founded and runs a survival and herbalism school, The Human Path, offering classes throughout Central Texas, as well as a nonprofit organization, Herbal Medics, which helps provide herbal and integrative health care, education, self-sustainability, and treatment in remote and disaster areas around the world. Welcome to the show today, Sam. Well, thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me here, and I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Oh, sure, I'd love to. So it's a, it's a very long and winding path that started over 25 years ago. Uh, I was a Special Forces medic. That's a Green Beret medic. 18 Delta is the nomenclature in the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Uh, and so I... Um, thank you for doing that, that was, by the way. Well, thank you. Yeah, sure. You're more than welcome. And I, I came in as a, um, uh, that was my introduction to medicine, really. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's primarily, uh, I would say the, it would be analogous to being maybe um, the training of, say, a PA slash paramedic in a, in a field environment, remote environment where there is no higher definitive care. Wow. Sometimes ever. So the, the, I had already been interested in herbal medicine prior to that, and I actually took, uh, uh, I did a, a certification at a, at a naturopathic school and stuff, mm-hmm. at, at, as the old school uh, naturopath back then. And uh, so I had some basic kind of rudimentary herbalism, you know, experience. And then when I got in, by the time, once I was in as a special forces medic, and I would be in places where I would, you know, whatever we could carry on our back, or if we were lucky, what we could get dropped in as supplies. And I started wow. asking myself, well, why, you know, what would we do when we don't have any, you know, any, any supplies? What do we do when we run out of medicine? And that's when I really started to look to plant medicine as a, as a very viable alternative in remote 
or post-disaster or austere environments. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, I mean, I was already going that way anyway. I, was, I grew up in a very plant-literate family uh, where, you know, it was very common. We grew all our oh, own food yes. in the summer. We, wow. we canned all our own mm-hmm. food at the end of the year and, and at the end of every, you know, in every fall that we'd eat through the winter. And so we, you know, we had a lot of good gardens. I grew up with a mom who talked to plants. It was very normal for mm-hmm. me, a five-year-old, you know, kid out hoeing the garden to, to you know, talk to plants. Wow. So it was very, uh, you know, it was not a big jump for me by any means to, to, to go there. Uh, but that was kind of my introduction to medicine. And, and then also Special Forces gave me a much bigger view, I think, upon how, uh, how to organize um, a group of people to be able to uh, work and, and improve a you know your situation in a sustainable manner, and so I, I formed a school basically, and and, and also um, co-founded a nonprofit mm-hmm. to be to that end over the next 25 years to be able to. Uh, focus training in a way that would allow people to come to my school or take part as a volunteer in nonprofit uh, organizations in foreign countries or even here in the U.S. in underserved communities to be able to pull all of this together and to understand something about off-grid permaculture type approaches to growing but also off-grid power. You know, how do you get power? Off-grid water purification and all of these things relate to the epidemiology of disease in a certain area whether it's from bad water, whether it's from bad nutrition, whether it's whatever it might be and then once you've taken care of those structures and those pieces, then you can start to work into the actual herbal medicine component, mm-hmm. which is you know chronic disease, acute disease, and even trauma. And so it's it's something that all kind of comes together in my school. And you know, I used to say kind of jokingly, we were survival school with a very intensive uh, herbal medicine program. But now we're really more of an herbal medicine school with a very intensive survival component. Oh, interesting. And so we're very you know, but but they really all these things uh, to me are are one of the same they're part of the same big picture you know so if you are out in the middle of the wilderness and you're and you're six hours from the nearest trailhead and somebody breaks their arm and maybe you've got a great field first aid kit and you've even got a you know you've got a background as a paramedic or even a doctor mm-hmm. but you can't start a fire and it's starting it's 45 degrees and it's starting to, to sleet and it's uh, 5 p.m and there's no possible way you're going to get out to the trailhead and it's the middle of the night and it's dangerous or it's starting to become at night you know you fire building and understanding basic survival skills of shelter and even you know water purification and and, and building a camp and keeping somebody from becoming hypo hypovolemic or right. I'm sorry hypothermic in, in that kind of situation all of those are medical skills are no longer survival skills so uh-huh. this is where it all kind of came together for me oh wow Wow, so you run a survival school and a herbalism school. So let's let's start there. The human path. Tell us about that, please. Sure. The human path is really the third iteration over the last 25 years of my school. Uh-huh. And we've been in San Antonio, so I'm I'm from Colorado originally, uh, and I used to teach a lot through both the military as well as uh, you know civilian. And then I had my own schools in in Southern Colorado. But since we came to Texas, uh, moved to Texas about eight years, nine years ago, uh, the school's been here for about eight years and is doing very well. In north of San Antonio, we have a 50-acre campus. Oh wow! And then we also have a clinic, an actual urban clinic in town mm-hmm. for our herbalism students to be able to get clinical herbal experience and then we go around in different places throughout the US and even throughout Central America and Mexico also um providing everything from water purification uh, like using slow sand filtration and building building and teaching things that we can use from the area mm-hmm. into you know local resources all the way to herbal medicine clinics herbal clinics so that is the school and the the the, the School is is to train, and in a sense, the nonprofit, even though that's entirely separate, a lot of people who are students in the school really want hands-on experience, and they've been through our programs, and so that uh, 
they are able to come then and really be a very um, successful and potent volunteer I- oh, in yes. the organization of, yeah. the, of the nonprofit then and, and apply all those skills that they learned. And the nonprofit is your Herbal Medics? Right, that's Herbal Medics. So that's herbalmedics.org on, online and, okay, and our school is thehumanpath.org. Perfect. So can you explain herbalism to us? What does that mean? Uh, so herbalism means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I always say, you know, a person, kind of, a person to some extent becomes an herbalist at the point that they experience healing in their own body uh, through the use of plant medicine, through the use of plants. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is a huge uh, paradigm shift in a lot of ways for people who, who've grown up in sort of this orthodox and allopathic view of, of medicine where right. we think of a medicine as being a pharmaceutical that... that literally stops or changes or, or halts or, or creates a, a process difference in our body that quote-unquote heals our body. When, well, it really doesn't isn't true. And in herbalism, you really have to, uh, I think, own up to the fact that our bodies heal themselves. Our bodies, mm-hmm. that's what our mm-hmm. bodies do. And so what herbs really do, what plant medicine really does is it, it's a better, I think, way in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a more fulfilling and uh, and sustainable certainly on different level many different levels we mm-hmm. can talk about a way for your body to heal itself so it supports body tissue healing itself so once a person has experienced that once a person has gone through uh, trauma or or maybe a, a chronic illness that they've been you know we get this all the time at the clinic you know people that have been kicked around from doctor to doctor for mm-hmm. something and it just nothing has helped nothing's worked for, for several years and we start looking into lifestyle and nutrition and then of course herbs and medicinal plants and once they experience that kind of healing generally in my opinion in, in their own head at least they kind of become an herbalist yeah, got uh, at least and a lot of those people actually tend to start coming to my classes and want to go a lot further with it and say wow if that works so well for this horrible chronic illness I had you know I had chronic you know insert something here you know uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease or I had mm-hmm. chronic eczema uh, these issues that I could not deal with are some sort of an auto inflammation issue um, and now it's working. You know, what else could I could I learn? What else could I do? And how how could I help other people? Mm-hmm. So herbal medicine is really just you know the understanding of our relationship to the plant world in terms of how that how the plant world helps our bodies heal themselves. Wow. So it, is it as simple as I'm eating herbs, so then they're healing me? It can be. the The key to this, the crux of the matter is, and I always say this is, um, you have to get the herb to the tissue. You know, so whatever ah, tissue yes. is being affected, primarily, usually you have to get the herb to that tissue. Now, uh, that can mean a lot of different things. You know, I mean, technically, we have immune tissue all over our body. I mean, there's no place in our body where we don't have some sort of an immune of uh, por- portion of our immune system at work, whether it's mm-hmm. macrophages in, in the tips of our fingers or whether it's the uh, nature of our of our skin, of our epidermis on the outside. You know, to the outside of the world, whatever it might be. But the point is that whatever, generally, with especially with an infective disease or with an infection or even with certain types of inflammation, there's usually a source or a core area or a portion or a type of tissue that is most affected or that is primarily affected and you need to get that herb to it. So it's a lot more complicated mm. sometimes than just eating a plant okay. and expecting it to get to your body. You have to remember we're we're kind of you know, led to believe that's how medicine works because we grow up in this pharmaceutical type of environment where that's what an oral pharmaceutical does and it's tested and it's, and it's gone through laboratory oh, right. testing in order to be able mm-hmm. to literally get that one single constituent to one portion of your body in one place in one way. And so 
so that's not you know so you think about a plant a plant any given plant you go out and pick a you know a leaf off a tree or pick a blade of grass right there are thousands of constituents what we would consider constituents so molecular uh, constituents to that plant not just a single one it's not just penicillin or, or tetracycline right. or uh-huh. it's thousands and so all of those work in different ways and all of those have a different effect in our body and different people are affected differently by certain plants mm-hmm. to some degree you know there's there's certainly very uh, specific and, and consistent generalizations you can make, but but everybody's a little bit different, and this is why we always say you know treat the person, not the disease, as such too. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely, it makes sense. We recently had Haley Cloud of Living Raw by Grace on the show, and she healed herself by eating raw and vegan. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, there was some healing going on there simply by what she was putting in. So herbs internally as part of it so then the other the other way that that looks is what you make up salves and right so if you think of all of the different ways in which uh we can intake anything uh as medicine it's it's a huge list we can do something on the surface of skin we can do syrups we can do what we call oxymels we can we can make a sinus nasal sinus wrench like like a uh, like a neti pot type of wrench to right. get up into the to the nasal cavity we can use ear oils or ear drops into the ear to get onto the tympanic membrane for a middle ear infection we can use um gargles we can use lozenges we can use on the other end of our body you know uh-huh. enemas and oh, yeah. suppositories and douches and all of the and sits baths and things that we can do to basically whatever is the most practical and um, and ergonomic way to get to that herb to the tissue. Yeah, interesting. Wow, and so how is this different from traditional medicine? Well, uh, the delivery system, of course, there requires quite a bit of creativity, and so uh-huh. medicine making itself. I mean, uh, if you look at if you looked at my my courses, and this isn't to to try to sell my courses, but just if you look at my courses and see all the different paths that we have, they reflect all the little pieces of this that you really need to learn. And one of those is called the path of the apothecarist, or, or you know, apothecary. It goes uh-huh. back to that word of medicine making, because really you could do nothing but study medicine making for years to get better at how you how potent your medicines are. Mm-hmm. How to make gummy bears for children versus, uh, you know, certain types of, of syrups for for adults that are going to be, you know, shelf stable for years and things things that it takes to be able to do that. So all of that is a, goes kind of into that whole mix of how we are able to take herbs and apply them into or, or onto our body most efficiently. And that itself is, you know, different than than you know pharmaceutical medicine. Uh, but also really just the mentality that we have to have. And you mentioned this earlier, a person on the show that, that healed herself using uh, diet and nutrition. And we really, in a way, we could kind of think of herbs as sort of a turbo nutrition, you know, in a sense. I mean, mm. nutrition and diet and all of those things are absolutely profoundly important. If, you know, if you get somebody, if I get somebody in a clinic who has been, uh, you know, he's 200 20 pounds overweight uh-huh. and he's been smoking for 40 years and he has shortness of breath you know that he wants to get rid of when he walks up a flight of stairs you know there's not an herb for that that's i'm sorry right. that's not, that's not how it can work it yeah. just can't so there's obviously lifestyle and diet and even the mental aspects of it stress is a huge factor and we don't even really know what stress is we are def- definition of it when i use that word is so overused and so cliche that people don't probably even understand all of the actual you know biochemical uh, things that happen to our body over time with stress 
sitting, you know, as they jokingly say, sitting is the new smoking. You know, right, just sitting exactly. in a chair yeah. is unhealthy. So uh, all of these things are aspects to health, of course, and then herbalism becomes as, as sort of the, the tip of the spear, I would say, you know, as yeah. we do everything else that supports it. <laughs> I love that. Tip of the spear rather than tip of the iceberg. <laughs> right. So why did you decide to embrace herbalism instead of traditional medicine or anything else for that matter? Oh well, it, first of all, it's, it makes more sense. It's more sustainable, and it's and I've never been. Uh, I have no problem with with orthodox medicine at all, and this isn't meant to be a. You know, in fact, I work. I'm giving a webinar with a doctor I work with a lot, uh, a functional medicine, a family practice doc, mm-hmm. uh, who we do all kinds of stuff together. She sends me clients. I work with her. I send her my, or she sends me patients. I send her clients, and uh, she's on our board for a nonprofit. She teaches classes for us in nutrition. Um, so there's, so that I'm not saying this to be. Uh, you know, in any way der- uh, derogatory towards right. orthodox medicine, but uh, there are just certain things that herbal medicine does better, better. in in terms of uh, if certain things. You know, if I mm-hmm. get hit by a bus, you know, I want to go to a good <laughs> yeah. operating room with a great orthopod and all that. Yeah. But in, in but yeah, in, in terms of other, there are many many things. Everything from from certain types of viral infections all the way to you know for acute stuff, all the way to a lot of different chronic illness where we just are able to affect the body more soundly, more profoundly, and more on a last level that gets to the core of the problem a lot of times and gets rid of the problem rather than gets a person addicted to something like mm-hmm. a blood pressure medication right mm-hmm. uh, so that's first that's just practicality and actual you know I would say the the actual you know pra- pra- from a pragmatic stand- standpoint why I would uh, on a much deeper level on a much more spiritual level because it's necessary to to link to our planet and what we're doing on the planet, how we're walking, yeah. what kind of footprint we leave on the planet yeah. in many, many ways. And that's where there are mentality, kind of the mentation that goes into, uh, you know, where our food comes from. You know, mm-hmm. we grow through our school. We're very into sustainability. We grow all our own food. We grow, you know, chickens and ducks and rabbits and turkeys and, and aquaponics and all of that goes into, um, or, or if what we can't, we, we trade with local farmers for mm-hmm. stuff, everything from dairy to, to beef and, and pork. And so all of this goes into the community aspect and the small, um, you know, kind of uh, respectful, you know, gratitude-filled way that we walk the earth and we understand that our, our food, uh, whether it's meat or plant matter, is, is, is comes at the cost of life and that we are part of that cycle. And so even just all the way down to our waste product and, you know, this ridiculous notion we have of flushing all of our waste product into, into the, what becomes basically our drinking water. Drinking water, yeah. In, yeah. Instead of, you know, understanding how much, how much incredible nitrogen and sources of organic nutrients we can get from humanure and, you know, we work with that as well. Uh, and to be able to restore these soils that are horribly devastated even that our campus is on so oh, yeah. all of this all of this comes back into it may sound like i went on a tangent but all of that comes right back into why choose herbal medicine over uh orthodox medicine or why just kind of go down that route you know whatever that was uh and it and it is it comes back to kind of this uh this need that i think we all have as humans to connect to the planet on a much deeper level than, yes. than we are yeah that's beautiful that's beautiful and I, I i got it absolutely got it so I always like to ask my guests if they would share a time that they failed and what they might have learned from it. Um, this, this, this gets our listeners to a place of understanding that there are uh, barriers that we have to overcome and there's successes on the other side. So do you have something you can share with us? 
Yeah, I think um, just uh, the amount of work that it took to get – well, okay, let me give you a really good one actually. Um, and this is – in fact, this is a good life story in general and uh-huh. I'll try to make it as short as I can. Um, I got out of – so I was in the military a total of 10 years. I was in what's called prior service. I was a, I was actually in, uh, a linguist and what's called an interrogator mm-hmm. back at the – End of the near the end of the Cold War in East West Germany is worse a translator and and uh, in mil- that famous oxymoron military intelligence and uh-huh. I got out and went to school got a linguistics degree came back to into the military for mm-hmm. six years as, as a special forces medic then uh, and then I got out and. Um, I uh, I wanted to go to med school then, but I just didn't want to take my kids. Were really young at the time, and I didn't want to drag them through it. And I didn't feel like I had what it took to, to just you know to, to buckle down and actually do that without having some sort of a li- you know making a living. So anyway, I went back and I you know had other ways of, of basically supporting my family for the next several uh, whatever that was. 50, 15 years, 10 years or so right. until my son was a, was graduating high school. And I thought, you know, he's going to be graduating high school. My daughter will be of the age where she could move with us uh, really easily, probably anyone, anywhere, you know, into ju- going into junior high. And uh, I could go to med school. So I spent – I had I took a job uh, near uh, campus downtown uh, where we lived. And uh, I, I went to school nights, uh, back to school, like a post-back thing because my mm-hmm. grades were horrible the first time. Through, I, really <laughs> Boy, I, I resemble that remark. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I I was so busy studying martial arts, I didn't even go to class my first time through the military. You know, the GI Bill paid for my school, so it was like right. three years of martial arts for me that without having to have a job. <laughs> so that was my first time. The second time through, and plus I didn't take a single science class. I clipped out of every science mm. type course. I, I hadn't had a science class since like 10th or 11th grade. So I had to go back and do all the pre-med and, you know, or chem and all the stuff you had to do to get through uh, to be able to apply for med school. So right, exactly. long story short, I you know, I, I really just busted my butt for about three years and, and I you know um, I walked to where it was exactly six it was exactly 10 kilometers 6.1 miles mm-hmm. from my doorstep to the doorstep of the place I worked and I walked every day that distance with flashcards and with with I would wow. record stuff and I through audio learning and through flashcards I prepped and it gave me basically it was an hour and a half each way of walking pretty much mm-hmm. and, it gave, and it was all on a kind of in a green belt so it was a really pleasant walk and it gave me three hours of study time I would never have had really at home so uh, that's how I got ready for med school so I got down to I got into took a MCAT I, I got into a bunch of med schools you right. know once I was able to go interview and then but this point I was in my uh, my my early 40s you mm-hmm. know so it was I was definitely was considered a non-traditional student. Right. Uh, so I got into um, a bunch of med schools. Our target school was actually in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So I came down to San Antonio. We moved. This is my my wife's uh, hometown, mm-hmm. and she oh, wanted nice. to come back here anyway. So yeah. we all we all we and it was just a six month sprint. We got down to San Antonio, got into med school, and then uh, the bottom kind of fell out of my wife's job. The the company went under completely. She didn't have the con. She lost this contract. We had this great place where my daughter rides horses, uh, and she's very good at it. That's all she does. That's what she does now as a living, mm-hmm. and she, she jumps horses and trains them. So we would have had to move. I would have had to move my whole family into the city and kick my daughter out of her, basically, her, her one thing that she loved the most in life in order for me to continue because of financial issues. Mm-hmm. And so I walked away from med school. So I really kind of failed wow. everything I had worked towards, and I, and I drove away from med school, and it was the most – 
oh my god I mean I wept like a baby it was like all the stuff I'd done for years to get in here and it was just like gone you know I knew they kept the door open for me for a couple of years actually but I I knew I was never coming back Mm -hmm. and uh, so that was just that was absolutely devastating to me and I felt like it was a complete colossal failure in it and uh, I'd been I'd only been there about six months six months into my first year I mean as soon as I got in the whole financial thing fell apart on us and we didn't I didn't want to go you know I was no way I was going to pull my family 200k or 300k in debt to to get through this and then take 10 years to get back to where I was before I started it was just incredibly depressing incredibly discouraging so anyway um, my my end kind of uh, silver lining to this is that the only, that's the only reason I am where I am now today because within six weeks after that happened mm-hmm. the, the land the property that is now my campus dropped in my lap literally dropped <laughs> in my lap Gotta I could that. never have made it happen without that and it was like I'd been trying to make my survival school really become a, a success for years back in Colorado. I bought different pieces of land. Mm-hmm. I worked, and it never really happened. I got down here. Got it was the only thing that could make us move was was that was getting to med school because it was like once I was in, it's like okay, you know, mm-hmm. we got to do yes. it. We got to sell this house we've been yep. in for ten years. Got down, and then all of a sudden, boom! It all happened, and then literally overnight, my my school just just blossomed, just crazy. Nice. Hopefully that's a sad story and a happy story. Yeah. So what's your take? <laughs> what was your takeaway from all that? Uh, that you don't, uh, you're not in charge. You know, you don't. You think you are, but, but you're <laughs> you not. Think? And uh, and also to trust your intuition. You know, I think because my intuition the entire the entire time I was getting ready for med school, I was com- conflicted. You know, yeah. I would go through this. My poor wife had to deal with me like about every three weeks or four weeks. I'd be like, God, am I really? What am I doing? I'm too old for this. Am I really? Yeah going to go in there and, and, and do this? Should I? Is this the wrong answer? We're going to, it's going to take us forever to get back where we are now. And she just, you know, she put up with it. And, uh, but really that was my intuition telling me, no, you're not going to make it through this, but I had to do it anyway yeah. to get to where I am. Well, so, it, that's right. So. It was the pathway. It was your pathway through. How cool is right. that? So what drives you? Uh, I am incredibly driven by uh, uh, my, my vision to, this is all I'm going to do. It is all I do. I mean, this is, this is what I'll do till I'm until I'm dead. I think this is our last gasp. I think we're in our. I think we really are in a in, in our final extinction event that we're going to survive as a species if we don't do something. And this is this is my little piece of yeah. trying to light a candle in the dark instead of cursing the darkness. Yeah, That's exactly. Just what I'm doing. I can completely understand that. So, what do you consider your biggest success along the way? Uh, I think this the school and the nonprofit. The whole the program that we've got now is just humongous. I've got hundreds thousands of hours of curriculum and online courses and and the nonprofit stuff we're doing in places like remote Nicaragua with indigenous uh, Indians and just all the stuff we've got going on is just really it's very successful and I'd say my biggest success out of that is um, I'm breaking ground that nobody else has done nobody else that I know of ever has has merged the worlds that I'm merging in one under one roof Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that to to brag at all it's just it's a fact and I look believe me I get out there try to find do I have competition you know or Mm -hmm. is there anybody else doing that and I've never found anybody doing anything remotely similar to what we we do if I was gonna if I met you in a an elevator um, what would you tell me you do? Oh, I usually just tell people I run a survival and herbalism school <laughs> because those are two. And, and they're, they're easy. Like, oh, uh, yeah, well, people are like so. Okay, survival school. I'm like, yeah. And if, and if they ask further, like, oh wait, survival and herbalism. Well, those two don't mm-hmm. usually mix usually together. go together. That's right. You, it generally, one's a lefty and one's a righty, right? That's very true, and I, I like to think that I have a foot in both worlds very you know, nice. firmly. I mean, I have we get a lot of kind of prepper types of folks who are very um, you know 
not so far over that they you know want to live in a bunker and mm-hmm. and shoot everybody that until wait for the WalMarts to come back. But it, but more of the people that are really into self sustainability type yeah. of prepping. And then we get uh, we get people on the other end of the scale. And and I'm a you know I'm a tree hugging, earth loving hippie myself. You <laughs> wouldn't know it looking at me. You know. With uh-huh. my, shaved head and in in my my military mannerisms but I very much am that too so I embrace both sides and I believe very strongly in the you know ability of us to defend ourselves and what's yeah. important for us too and take care of the security aspect of who we are mm-hmm. in a community or a neighborhood or a family but uh, at the same time you know to to act with with love and compassion and try to be yeah. the best possible person in the worst yeah. even the worst circumstances yeah I, you know and I, I think there's a there's a lot of value in thinking about living on the planet that way as we move forward because that's that's a that's a i call it it's basically cooperation it's like how are we cooperating right so so do you have any projects you're currently working on that you're really excited about that you want to share about well, I think the next uh, Herbal Medics one, I'm uh, so every year we try to do a clinical, we, we try to do an Herbal Medics week uh, somewhere, and this next one, I think, is going to be out in West Virginia in, oh. a, in a community that's horribly devastated by uh, mountaintop removal and fracking, oh, wow. and uh, both from a standpoint of being underserved medically as well as really horrible water, mm-hmm. uh, water contamination. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one, for sure. That's going to be a great project. Um, Otherwise, you know, my full year of 2016 is already completely fully booked, and we're working on 2017. But uh, so I'm, tra- I'm traveling and teaching the 10-day wilderness herbal first responder and all the different stuff we do. But um, I think the the herbal medics um, weeks, or you know, we spend them out sort of for seven to ten days mm-hmm. on one specific area, and those are always really exciting every year. Nice. Give, give me, you know, I'm really fascinated by all this. So I'm, I'm, keep, I keep pulling more information out of, out of you, and that's great. So if I sign up for one of these 10-day uh, herbal medics courses, what, and you know, I'm a newbie at this. You know, I've never explored any of this. Well, what would I expect? Uh, yeah, and that's no problem. That's designed for that. The, I have a, a number of different. Um, so I have a whole bunch of different online courses, of course, and, and I have an entire online curriculum that includes on-site intensives for three days or five mm-hmm. days at a time. But um, I also have uh, an example would be that 10-day wilderness. So, so if you've heard of probably the Wilderness First Responder Program mm-hmm. uh, that, that you can find in different places around the U.S., yeah. I have one that's 90 hours and uh, and. Eight of eight of those hours are are done online in preparation before you actually before you come to the course, and then the rest is 82 hours over 10 days. Wow! Most of that is most of the, the of it is wilderness first aid uh, and extensive wilderness first aid. But there's also integrated herbal medicine in there, and the reason for that is we're really trying to focus on situations where there is no higher definitive care in several hours, several right. days, or even several weeks, or maybe ever. Uh, you know, what would you do? You know, how would you do this? And it's not by any means going to make a person competent enough in 10 days or even, you know, even really honestly, even in 10 weeks, right. you're not going to get somebody competent enough to really be able to, to take care of and um, uh, manage something that's really severe problem or bad, you know, infection of some sort of really severe infection using herbal medicine. But at least you can get people to understand uh, where the resources are to learn more and yeah. to understand more and to at least start thinking about it. So that's why I call it instead of the wilderness first responder, we call it the wilderness herbal first responder, even uh, though it is by far and away is absolutely competitive with any other WFR program anywhere right. in the U.S. So, and I, I can imagine that you you put the word wilderness in there, but I live in the city, and I mean, I probably spend 
a day a year out in the wilderness. Um, right. It would be so, valuable to, for me to do it, would it not? Yes. Yeah, so the define so the definition of wilderness first aid, honestly, the, I mean the the real the the actual definition is uh, an hour or more from higher definitive care. That could be anywhere. Oh. That could be in, uh, in even a minor uh, yep. uh, disaster, minor disaster. You know, just just traffic jams trying to get out of the city, and somebody yep. has a heart attack or has a has a you know an injury. Um, it certainly could be out on a road anywhere in your state, even in a in a remote area at night or uh, not even remote, just between two towns. Right. Um, an hour is not very long. That's the first thing. The second thing is there are no principles at all really in w in wilderness first aid that are not applicable in yeah. any urban situation yeah, too because a bandage is a bandage a splint is a splint and yep. all of these different things work together right. plus i also do a, a four-day uh street medic class that is specifically designed towards people who really want to get that street medic type of of, of um experience for things like protest support like you know providing mm. medical support for protests mm -hmm. for instance um and there's a lot of things that go into that that are that are much more um, disaster, post-disaster oriented, of course, or just in, you know, just a, a chaos, you know, social chaos type of right. type of situations yeah. um, that are specific to urban. So there are definitely things that that I think a person can work towards on the urban side that are separate from the wilderness side. But but the medic portion of it, the first aid portion of it, is pretty much by and large exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. That that was my sense of it. That was my sense of it. So I'm going to shift a little bit on you. Um, I'm really all about education, and I'm a, a lifelong learner. Is there a book that that has been most influential for you in your life? Uh, and on in terms of herbal medicine, there's one I would highly recommend uh, that to people, and that would be uh, it's a two volume book, and it's called The Energetics of Western Herbs, and that's by um, Peter Holmes. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fourth the fourth edition is the one you want. That's the latest edition. The earlier editions have all kinds of of publishing uh, errors in them, unfortunately. Uh -huh. But the the latest edition is the fourth. Um, if someone were to ask me, you know, in terms of just the materia medica, like, you know, herbs that you use or you want to use, if you were stranded on a desert island, you know, mm -hmm. what book would you take? That would be the one, you know, for Oh, me. perfect. Yes. Uh, otherwise, I would recommend if you're into just the concepts I'm talking about, buy my book. It's called The Herbal Medic. <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. There you go. Very good. Well, and we'll have that on our uh, show notes page. Great, yeah, theherbalmedic.com. I don't. We're not selling it through Amazon or anything anymore right now. We probably will. I'm working on volume two, but uh, right now you just got to get it through us. Fantastic, fantastic. So, one final piece of advice for our listeners. Um, follow your. You know, you, you, everybody has a calling. Mm, you know, everybody yeah. has path, and and you you're really. Um, a lot of life, in my opinion, is figuring out what that path is. And once you've figured it out, uh, and, and you're only going to find that out, like me, you know, mm -hmm. the story of the med school story, uh, a lot of times you're going to find it out doing something you thought was completely different. Uh, but once you, once <laughs> yeah. you know what it is, you know, then um, attack yeah, exactly. it as though you would rather die than yeah. not do it. You know? Yeah, perfect. That's, that's great advice. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Sure. Website. Uh, so the website is The Human Path. It's got the word the in front of it, mm -hmm. thehumanpath.com or thehumanpath.org. Either one is fine. Perfect. And they can always email me at sam at thehumanpath.com. It's a great way to get a hold of me. And if there's any questions they have that aren't specifically things I can answer, I just forward them to other people that, in the Perfect. school that can. Perfect. And we have an event coming up here pretty soon, um, the Homegrown Grown Food Summit. Um, you're going to be speaking at that as well. Right, so that's uh, Marjorie uh, Wildcraft's Wildcraft, uh, yeah. thing. Yes, um, and Marjorie's a good friend. I've actually used to uh, teach classes up at her place. She used oh, to fantastic. do kind of, uh, 
she sort of was an organizer of different types of classes at her place. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna do a class on that. On um, uh, all about. I, I've got a handout that I talk about the top 25 herbs. You know, oh. if, in the if the, if the world ended tomorrow, you know, some. Hey, I always get these questions. You know, what would you do? What would right. be your top 10 or X insert number here of herbs that you'd use if the world ended tomorrow? And so it's kind of like that. It's sort of you know a little bit tongue in cheek, but but very serious. It's very right. serious information. And so I've got a handout for it, and I'll talk more about not just the herbs, but also you know growing and 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 a little bit of the cycle of of life in our in our soils and how we can we can get better potency out of our herbs from things like forest gardening. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your experiences. It's been fascinating, Sam. Really, really appreciate it. Wow, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.